You are listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. As your leadership team goes, so goes the rest of the organization. So the leadership team has got to be unified in lockstep, knowing exactly where they're going. And in an EOS company, we do that by answering eight questions. You know, what are your core values? What's your core focus? What's your 10-year target? What's your marketing strategy? What's your three-year picture? What's your one-year plan? What are your quarterly priorities or what we call rocks? And what are your issues? But everybody in the organization, that has to be shared by all, by everybody in the organization. That's where you begin. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alan Draper. I've got my man, Saul, here with me. What's up, Saul? What's up, Alan? How you doing, man? Good. Doing good, man. Excited for our guest today. Kind of stoked on the pest industry. Just got back from Pest World a couple of days ago. And so I'm kind of feeling, you know, the aftermath of that being in Vegas and everything. So... That I know I'm tired. I'm tired, man. I lost my voice Friday and Saturday. <laughs> it's talking too much, right? That means it was a productive week, dude. Productive exactly. week. I actually didn't go to a single class, dude. There was a couple of classes, including our guests, that I wanted to make it to, and I just got caught up, dude. Everywhere I went, like people would, you know, want to chat and catch up, and it was yep. awesome. So yeah, I, I want went- to do yeah. a recap episode probably in the next week or so. So get your mind right for that. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So everyone, listeners, this is the Bug Bucks podcast. Make sure that you're subscribing, okay? Or following us on the platform that you listen to this on so you don't miss a download. It'll automatically download for you on your device. Also, leave us reviews. Those help us out more than you would guess. And you know, I'm excited for our guest today. He's a legend. I'm just going to say it. It's Phil Legend. Cooper. He's a second generation owner of Cooper Pest Solutions, and he grew it, check this out, from seven people to the largest privately held pest control company in New Jersey before selling it to the big T in 2018. Phil now implements the EOS system, an entrepreneurial operating system, both in and out of the pest industry. He has also, Phil and his team have also helped pest control companies accelerate their gross profit. And I talk about gross profit a lot their gross profit through the offerings of his company, Evolve YT. So welcome to the show, Phil. Thanks, Alan. And thanks, Saul. We're honored and we're stoked to have you, man. I've been thinking about this podcast for a while now. So I can't believe Alan missed the Bridging Generations course out at uh, Pest World. I don't know. You missed a good one there, bud. Dude, I did. It was was the only session I made at Pest World. (laughs) Dude, I had it on my calendar. It's the only one I had on my calendar. I had a booth there also. And so I had partners from another company that like were drawing some of my attention, but yeah, I was so bummed, man. I'll they don't give record you a pri- it or anything, do they? No, I'll, I'll have to give you a private class sometime. Let's do it. So actually, Alan, just to answer that question real quick, and for any of our other listeners, everyone who attended Pest World, certain ones they will have recorded content for, and those will like go on, I think, MPMA, like pestworld.org for people to like go back and review and like get the credits or any of the CEU stuff that they may have missed if they didn't get to go to all those classes. I think it's available for a certain period of time for people who went to Pest World and had a ticket 
And then you can actually like purchase a lot of those courses after the fact through MPMA's website. Nice. I got to do that. Well, cool. Well, what did you think of Pest World, Phil? Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy leading those discussions? And Yeah. You know, look, it was what everything that you said before, you know, it's about the connections that you make, seeing all the people mm-hmm. that you want to talk to, hitting an amazing trade floor, which was kind of funky because it was split up into two different places, Exactly. but mm-hmm. navigating that and then just some outstanding educational sessions. So it was pretty cool. We had a great crowd for bridging generations and we might, you know, touch on that a little bit because I, I'm so passionate about how we can take generations and leverage them to, you know, bring talent into our organizations to communicate better. And we'll weave that into today a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you have so much experience in the pest control industry. You have a lot of experience with leadership. We don't have three hours to record today. I wish we did. Let's start with, I want to talk about the EOS system. I want to talk about a lot of our listeners. They're not going to understand what that means. So let's start there, Phil. Let's start with what exactly is it and how would it help their companies? So, you know, to understand EOS, you really just, you know, the story of Gino Wickman is where we like, where I like to begin. And you'll hear me refer to Gino in the first name and it's not where I name drop. Um, I see Gino every quarter. We gather as implementers. We'll talk about what an implementer is momentarily, but I see Gino and we know each other personally. This guy is, you know, he is the legend. I mean, he, what he did is he came, you know, he's in his early twenties. He's in Detroit goes into his family business. So family business is like, you know, most pest control businesses. And it's his dad's business. And he starts tinkering with it like most 20-year-olds do. And he's playing around, but he's reading. He's doing thought leadership. And, you know, it's what Saul does and what you do. And, you know, they're reading and they're listening. And he just starts grabbing stuff from people like Jim Collins or Patrick Lencioni and Dan Sullivan, you know, the legends. Yeah. he starts putting things into place and magic starts happening, but he doesn't realize, you know, really what he's doing, you know, and by 2005, his dad says, you know, <laughs> Gino got this thing, brought the value up and to a point where his dad decides to sell the business. And so now Gino comes on board with the acquiring company and he continues to tinker. By 2007, you know, he has got in his mind all the different things that he's cobbled together. And he writes the book Traction, which is the culmination of all the things that he's put, but he frames it in just this magical way. And he puts together the six components that we need to be 100% strong in, which are vision, people, data, issues, process, and traction. And he lays out all the tools that you need to do to really become strong in it. And, you know, fast forward, you know, he builds 50 clients that he implements this thing within. And by 2011, he's doing his 10-year planning. He's doing his vision traction organizer, which is one of the things we do in EOS with his partner, Don Tenney. And you know, Don says, so Gino, where do you want to be in 10 years from now? And Gino says, I want to have 10,000 companies running EOS. And Tenney looks at him like he's a madman and says, you know, like, Gino, like, how in the world are we going to do that? We have 50 clients running it, 10,000. Like, have you lost your mind? And Gino went like, Don, I can't believe I, I wasn't there to see this actually happen. I've only heard, you know, what, you know, Gino says. And he looks at Tenney and says, you know, I can't believe you asked me that question. We're going to do it the way we tell every one of our clients to do it, 90 days at a time. And it is so very true. And we'll talk about what EOS 
looks like. But yeah, we do things 90 days at a time in our 90-day world. Fast forward, January 2021, 10 years later, 10,034 companies running EOS worldwide. Like, yeah. Amazing. Just, you know, that's the EOS story. So, you know, you know, we did it at Cooper Pest and it was transformational. And I do it with my clients and it is just amazing to watch their leadership teams, you know, achieve what we call vision, traction, and healthy, you know, vision from the, I'll let you guys talk again in a second as I monopolize, but vision from the standpoint of, you know, having that absolute crystal clear vision where the leaders know where, you know, the company is going. And so, you know, everybody in the company is going on the same path and traction simply from bringing discipline and accountability to the leadership team so that you're executing the vision fiercely and gaining the traction that you want. And then healthy, becoming a truly a functional, healthy, cohesive leadership team. Because Saul and Alan, as you know, as your leadership team goes, so goes the rest of the organization. So we can do that with a company. You know, it's magical. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's back up just a little bit. So the EOS, so the entrepreneurial operating system is basically kind of this framework in which businesses can be better, be more efficient, right? Is that kind of the essence to it? Yeah, yeah. And you know, the amazing part about it is it's not for every company. Okay. You know, I mean, for certain, it's not for every company. You know, there's a few things that, you know, and we'll speak to each of them, you know, one, you've got to be open and honest. So Saul, you've experienced open and honest. What does that look and feel like? Yeah. So, I mean, open and honest, I mean, it's interesting, right? I think, you know, when normally you would sit in like leadership meetings, right? You got your executive team or your leadership team there. And it's like, everyone's trying to like tiptoe around the real issues and, you know, not upset everybody, but it's like, you know, I mean, Phil will say when we do our meetings, it's like, look, if somebody's not yelling at somebody, then I'm not doing my job right. It's like, we got to get all of this stuff hashed yeah. out here. We have to be open and honest. We have to deal with the real issues, you know, and discuss them, not politic, right? Like no politics. Yeah. Like let's not go back and forth and keep repeating the same things, but let's have real conversation. Let's find the root issues and let's solve it. And then once it, we solve this, let's walk out of this room completely united. And it's surprisingly how often you don't actually <laughs> see that be done in mm-hmm. business, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's fascinating. And, you know, I'll give you an example. I was talking, you know, to a potential client recently and they said, you know, do we really need to share our profit? You know, we're not so sure that maybe, you know, there's things that we might have to say that maybe we don't want some people in the room hearing. And I was saying, doesn't feel like, you know, this is, this is probably not right for you. You really need to be willing to lay your soul out there and being able to express what you truly feel. Because I also ask my clients, you know, what's the one word that can describe what you feel like? Before I give you the word in a second, you know, it was really fun at Pest World. I had a group that was considering EOS and I had my clients we're standing right next to them. And I, I went over quietly to the, the people that were doing it. And I said, you know, I'm going to tell you the one word my clients say they leave with when they're finished a session with Bill Cooper. How would you describe a Bill Cooper session with EOS? And I said, the word is exhausted. So watch this. And I turned to my, the, the two guys that were standing next. And I said, John and Sean, tell these guys, when you leave a session with Bill Cooper, when we do a, you know, an EOS session, what's the one word that describes it? They said, oh, easy exhausted. Yeah. Because it's drilling. I never tell my clients what to do in an EOS session. Mm-hmm. They're never, you know, they're going to say, Phil, what do you think? And I'm going to, Saul knows the answer, which is, I'm not going to tell you what I think. 
but I'm going to ask you a ton of questions because all the answers are in the leadership team's mind. It's just getting it out. And sometimes it, that's why open and honest is so important because people have to say what they really feel. They can't, you know, we just let things usually bubble under the surface and then that just neuters us as a leadership team. So you've got to be open and honest. So then the other thing that an EOS company has to be is frustrated. They're, you know, they're just not, they're not, de- they're growing, but either they're just not having as much fun as they feel they should. You know, they're either spinning their wheels or they're not growing as fast as they would like, or they're not making as much money, or they're simply not scaling and they're having challenges over and over again. They're revisiting the same topics over and over again and never really solving so if we get those things in place, if you're open and honest, you're a little bit frustrated and you want to grow, then you know, EOS is perfect. If you're not those things, don't waste your time. Yeah. And now, you know what's funny is that I think the folks that want to grow are going to be naturally frustrated, right? And I don't think it depends on the level that they attain. At least that's how it is with me because you know, I hit a thousand customers and I'm like, Cool. That's awesome. Let's celebrate. Okay. What's next? Okay. I hit 5,000 customers. Okay. What's next? 10,000 customers, 20,000 customers. What's next? What's next? And because of that, you're always looking for ways to get better. Right. So the question, I guess, is Phil, is there a size of company? Because we have the full gambit. We have guys doing, you know, $100,000, $200,000 a year that listen to us. We have guys doing 20, 30, 40 million that are listening to us. Mm-hmm. Is there a size that, of a company that this fits? So there's an, yep, there's an ideal size, but I'll break outside the parameters of the ideal size. So the ideal size is between the sweet spot is 10 employees to 250. But I was on the phone today with a law firm that has just two extraordinarily bright guys and just an amazing story of how they were going to be different. And they want to build their firm from the ground up using EOS. And can that happen? Yes. Because they're going to scale it and grow it faster than they would before because all the concepts are there. So certainly can be done and is done. And I haven't experienced it, but we, you know, there are companies that have 10,000 employees running EOS. You know, can it work? Absolutely. The principles and the, the components of what Wickman put together work all the way, but typically you're going to see, you know, the typical EOS company that target is a 10 person, 250 person company. Gotcha. Now, now, Phil, so we talked about obviously having the company and the leadership team being open and honest, right? The communication piece, but what other issues have you seen, I guess, most leadership teams or companies have within their organization kind of stunting the growth or causing the frustration? that EOS has really been able to help them get through and then execute at a higher level? Well, what haven't I seen? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, you know, we all face the same problems. I think the things that we see over and over again, you know, the, what I would call the timeless or the things that you see where it's head first structure, you know, in EOS, we don't use an organizational chart. We use a thing called an accountability chart. And in the accountability chart, what we're looking for are what we call the right seats, the right structure for the organization. But within each seat, let's say, Alan, you hold the marketing seat. We're going to say, what are the five things that you are truly responsible for? What are you held accountable for in that seat? Not your 
job description. You know, maybe it's revenue, maybe it's leads. But when we know what you're responsible for, we can turn to you for answers and that you own it. That when leads are off, fingers aren't being pointed and nobody in the organization has the same role. So we know who is doing what. Setting that right structure is critical. And I can tell you on all the companies I've worked with, that structure, when they put it together for the first time, it's not the same six months later, and it's constantly being built out. And it's going out six to 12 months, not really beyond that. We don't want to look way out and saying what it's going to be. But once we have the structure, then we have to make sure that we have the right people in the seats. So we assume for a moment that we've got all the kind of right people, people that match our values, that are the kind of people that we want to be around in the company, assuming we have the right people. It's a big assumption and a lot of work to make sure that happens. We then have to make sure that we put them in the seat that God intended them to be in. You know, God put us all on earth to do something uniquely that's unique to each of us, our unique abilities, as Dan Sullivan so eloquently puts it. And we need to look at those roles and make sure that we have the person matched up. When, you know, so often people are in seats that they don't belong in. They don't what we call GWC. They either don't get it, the ability to just truly understand what that seat is about. Like, I don't get, if I was at Lockheed Martin and they put me into the seat of trying to get a satellite up to outer space, I wouldn't get it. I have no freaking clue. That's called, in my eyes, the bullshit meter. Like, can you sniff out whether things are going right? So do they get it? Do they want it? Do you wake up in the morning with that burning desire to do that job? Do you love what you do? It's like, I love what I do. Can't so you know, how just do you, this. So, I mean, a lot of us and a lot of the listeners are, I can see their wheels are spinning and they're like, how do I get a technician to love what he or she yeah. does? I'll give you a story in a second. I'm going to give you, before I do that, let me tell you capacity. The last one is capacity. It's a skill set. We'll come back to that. So let me just tell you one of my favorite stories about you know what you just asked, Alan. So one of my really good friends, Ed Robinson, an amazing Vistage chair, probably the best Vistage chair in the country, was with a fellow CEO, the CEO of a hospital. And Ed and this CEO walk up, and they're walking in the hospital, and the CEO turns to Ed and says, Ed, I want to show you something. This is pretty cool. And they walk up to this janitor. So they have a guy with a mop, right? So I gave away a little bit. So Alan, if you have a guy in the mop in the hospital, what kind of job do you think he has? Uh, what is he? Yeah, good guess. <laughs> hey, not much gets by me. Bro. <laughs> so, you know, he sees this guy and he goes, Harry, tell Ed what you do in this hospital. And Harry turns to Ed and says, I am in charge of preventing infectious disease. Ed looks a little befuddled at him and says, you know, Harry, that's really cool. Can you tell me more? Like, how do you do that? With he goes, mop. it's really, it's really simple. You know, I've got my mop and I've got a bunch of different things. And my, and my job is to kill bacteria. And so if I do my job right, then people don't get sick. And Ed goes, well, so Harry, you got to tell me, like, how do you know that you're like actually doing your job? Well, he goes, well, that's really simple, too. Every week I get a report on how many people on this floor get sick from something other than they came into the hospital with. And that's how I know whether I did my job great. My job, have zero people get sick from anything on this floor. 
and I own this floor. This is my floor. That is how we do it with our technicians. That's a janitor being proud of what he does, a totally different mindset. And do you think that doesn't bubble up to the other metrics in the organization? You think that doesn't bubble up to satisfaction of nurses and satisfaction of doctors and satisfaction of the clients that are coming in and doesn't bubble up to the profitability of the hospital, you better darn well believe it. So, you know, in EOS, we want a measurable to each and every person in the organization. And we want to think about the technicians in a pest control company, but what we want to look at is what's in their control. You know, how Harry cleaned was in his control. He was given the tools, but he controlled how he cleaned. You could clean that floor well, or you could do a shit job. If he does it right, people don't get sick. If he does it wrong, people get sick. Really simple, but not so simple, right? Think about how many hospitals and friends that you know that ended up getting sick in that hospital. You know, so that's what we want to do. And so, you know, do you have the capacity to do the job? Well, Harry had the capacity to do that janitor's job really well, right? He had the skills. So he got it. He wants it. He loves what he does. And he has the capacity to do it. Pretty sweet. Yeah. No, that's, it reminds me of the bricklayers story, right? Where somebody goes up to this guy laying brick and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just laying some brick. They go to the next guy doing the same exact job. They're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm building this wall to protect people, right? I'm building this wall to protect people. Go to the next guy and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Still doing the same thing. And he's like, I'm building this wall to protect the house of God. Right. And it's like, they're all three doing the same thing. Now, I mean, it's so tough though. Come on, let's be practical about this. Some techs don't even tuck in their shirts when they're supposed to. Right. So whose job is it? Whose job is it to make sure that our techs have that vision of, Hey, I'm helping people stay safe. I'm protecting families. I'm protecting their homes. I'm, 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 you know, creating an atmosphere. Well, where kids can go outside and play in the yard and, and mm-hmm. feel okay about whose job is it to make sure that the technicians have that perspective? Well, it starts with the leadership team. Cause again, as I said earlier, as your leadership team goes, so goes the rest of the organization. So the leadership team has got to be unified in lockstep, knowing exactly where they're going. And in an EOS company, we do that by answering eight questions. You know, what are your core values? What's your core focus? What's your 10-year target? What's your marketing strategy? What's your three-year picture? What's your one-year plan? What are your quarterly priorities or what we call rocks? And what are your issues? But everybody in the organization, that has to be shared by all, by everybody in the organization. That's where you begin. Like, what kind of wall do you want to build? Why are you building the wall? Why are we building that wall? If you understand that, you have the foundations and then you just need to drive it through the organization. You know, anybody that has direct reports needs to be carrying the same tune, and they need to be knowing where are we going over the next year and figuring out what are our issues, solving for them, and creating rocks in that 90-day world that how did Gina Whitman go from 50 people to 10,000 companies? You know, We do that throughout the organization. If you're doing it throughout the organization, throughout the company, everybody's on board everybody's contributing and contributing to the same thing. And that's what, you know, in the world of BOS, that's what we're teaching. That's what we teach anybody that's doing this so that they make it happen. But that's how you get it down all the way to the technician level. In the same, con- go ahead, Sal. 
So, well, I was going to take it a different place. So we were talking about the accountability chart, right? And that everybody is responsible for a certain thing and only one person can be responsible for one task, right? Or one account thing accountable in the company. And so let's say, you know, a lot of these companies that listen to us, they'll be partners, right? Those say two guys who started this, just them, right? And maybe now they've added a few team members, some technicians, maybe an office person, how do those two leaders decide who's accountable or responsible for what parts of the organization? You know, it's just through open and honest discussions. You know, we have to declare, you know, there's a thing called a visionary in EOS and integrator. They might be in those roles. They might not be. I've had, you know, owners in some situations, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, we've had owners that were involved in the organization realize they really shouldn't be there. And they step into the owner's box where they just get that their rate of return and they go and do something else. Or we find what's the right fit. I have another, I have a private equity real estate firm that we have two visionaries and the integrator who's really running the ship isn't one of the two owners. I mean, there's so many ways that you can slice and dice this, but what we've got to get is the people into the right seats, period. And the way we do that is we do the structure first and then people second. I think that's the real key thing. We don't build structure around people, which is what we all do in our companies. Don't worry. I did it for 30 years. You know, you find a person and you figure out where they're and you, because you really like the person, you plug them into a position instead of figuring out what the structure is, what are the roles, what are all the things we have available, and then looking at the people and plugging them into the right places. You know, think of a well put together team, right? A sports team or an orchestra, you know, when something becomes available, you know, the piece you need to plug. Or if you want to get somebody better into a seat because it's just not working as well as you want, you go find, you know what you need, and then you go find the person rather than the other way around. Mm. Now, I know you were mentioning visionary and integrator. So for people who may not be familiar (laughs) with EOS, what is a visionary and what is an integrator? Yeah, so we'll start with the integrator first. The integrator is somebody that really, I like to think of it as a conductor of an orchestra. I mean, it's the person that is, you know, can't play every instrument, but knows how those instruments need to sound, what needs to be, is willing to call. If somebody plays the wrong note, is willing to say something, you know, calls them out, is willing to hold them accountable. But at the same time, is a great teacher, a great coach, harmonizes, brings it all together, you know, and loves details. This person loves details. Whereas the visionary, diametric opposite, big picture, Big relationships, big everything. This is the person that has 20 ideas of which 17 are crap, but three of them are diamonds that nobody else would ever think of. I am a flaming visionary. You are looking at, you know, you are talking to one right now. Oh, this is the person that drives the organization mad and just wears them out. He comes in or she comes in with, you know, goes to a talk. Here's a great speaker. Here's a great idea. Comes running in. We got to do this, everybody. Let's go, 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 go. And, we're going down and we're going to do all this. And then six months later, it's not going maybe as fast as he or she wants or, you know, isn't quite doing what they want. And here's another speaker and comes in and says, oh, everybody, guess what? Heard something great today. We're going to do this. And everybody's going like, what happened to what we just got told six months ago? Like, can we finish it up? And, you know, the visionary is jerking people all over the place. Well, when the visionary is in the integrator seat running the company, we just wear our people out, period. And we're not having fun because we're never satisfied. A great team has a visionary with that great integrator. 
know, it's Steve Jobs and Mark Wojo. You know, that's every great visionary has that person who basically makes sure that their vision is carried out. They're not doing the details. So by the way, the visionary, they can do details with the best of them. They can be anal with the best of them. They just can't sustain it. And they don't want to be doing it. They just do it because they feel they have no other choice because nobody wants to listen to them. So you're a visionary out there. You know who you are. Again, I am. I get it. Yeah. And I would imagine that, you know, with a lot of PCOs, right? It's like, I think a lot of the guys like us who have went off and started our own company, we probably are visionaries, right? And so for a lot of these guys who maybe have went off and started their own thing and, and maybe they don't have a big team yet, or maybe, you know, they're still just a sole owner, right? And let's say they're a visionary, what kind of issues may they run into and, and what do you think would be the biggest thing to kind of help get rid of those issues and, and create a streamlined process? Well, you know, I'm going to turn it back to you. I mean, I'll be you know, before I answer, what do you think? And then I'll see if you a uh, good learned soul. Well, I mean, so I think, and this is a question I get asked a lot. And I think Alan, I think you probably do too. I feel like this is something somebody always asks us, right? And I think I can even relay back to Pest World. I feel like I got asked this question like five times, like, hey man, I'm so good at doing this but now my business is scaling and it's getting busy and I'm having to do all of this stuff and I don't know what to do. You know, do I just keep going or do I hire somebody to kind of take care of this so then I can focus on what I'm good at, right? And it's like, I mean, my thing is always like, look, if you know you're really, really good at something in the business, you don't have to be the person at the top to own the business. Find somebody to take those tasks or those responsibilities that you're not great at and that you're trying to execute, but you're not executing on and go back to doing what you're really good at and drive that ROI that way. I mean, that's right. So when you go back to Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan, a great thought leader, you know, the founder of, you know, strategic coach, he says, we need to work towards our unique ability. Again, what we were put on this earth to do. When we look at organizations and we look at, you know, adding structure, everybody gets worried about overhead, right? I mean, that's what we always worry about, you know, that we're not going to make, we're going to have to add a role and our profit is going to go down. I call foul on that. If you don't know what that position is going to generate in either revenue or profit, then you shouldn't do it because you have no clue what is really going on in your business. You know, when we add positions, the reason that we should do it is to drive more revenue or to drive more profit. And we should be able to predict really well with our data to know what that is. And if we don't know what that is, then we need to do a better job of predicting. I have companies that are growing 30% and, you know, they feel really good. And I look at them and say, why don't you grow? You know, what's stopping you from growing 100%? I have a company that's growing 250%. And I can promise you my challenge to them will be, what's stopping you from growing 1,000%? You know, the only thing that stops us is ourselves. And it's the ability to do those things, the ability to scale. I mean, nothing stopped Jeff Bezos. Let's be serious. I mean, look at where he started and where he is now. If he was limited by 250% growth, they wouldn't be Amazon today. Yeah. No, I, that's 100%. That's 100% true. And that's the cool thing about being a business owner is that there are people that want to grow at 1,000%. There's people that want to grow at 30 or 15. It's okay. That's what they want to do. They want to spend more time with their kids. They, I'll be the first one to admit that growing is difficult. It can be a pain in the ass. Especially right now with what's going on with labor, it's difficult finding people like we talk about getting the right people on the bus. Jim Collins hammers that home and he talks about how important it is and making sure they're not only the right people, but they're in the right seats, right? 
But geez, man, have you hired recently for technicians? But I'll tell you, Alan, every one of my companies is fully staffed. And, you know, it's a matter, it's a little bit of, you know, what we do in EOS. Well, a lot of EOS. It's, you know, sharing those values. And then it's being a little bit smart. It's what we talked about in our Bridging Generations course out at, at Pestworld. I mean, there are things that you can do generationally that give an advantage over your competition. There are people that want to work out there still. You know, yes. Is the labor market short? Yeah. So are as many Zs wanting to work? Do people want to be more flexible? You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you all that. Mm-hmm. But I will yeah. also tell you there are still people that want to work. The problem is that we're using the same tired methods of re- going to those same people. And, yeah. you know, when I'm trying to reach a millennial, I can't use an X method or a boomer method to get to a millennial or to get to even a Z. There's different ways. So we went through, it was kind of cool. I've got, you know, most of the room was pretty in line and we challenged them. We gave them these things we wanted them to try and they went back. So hopefully they're trying it right now. And I'll tell you two weeks, I'm gathering data. You know, I want 20 companies going out there and doing what I had another two other companies doing to become with a generational approach using the stuff that we just said and then fix that labor problem. You know, what I always say do what's in your control. Stop bitching and moaning what's not in your control. Yeah. No, 100%. I, I think like right now with what's going on with labor, I mean, but you still got to talk about it, right? Don't bury your head in the sand or you're no. going to miss the boat. Like we're hiring right now for techs we don't need until April or May. Heck yes. We are. Because we don't want to get there because of how fast we grow and our sales staff, that would cause an issue. They're like, hey, where are my techs? Where are my spots? I've got these accounts and I need them serviced today or tomorrow. Right. And so my encouragement is, you know, and a lot of these guys, Phil, I'm going to be honest with you, and you know this probably better than I do. A lot of these guys, they don't know exactly how much a tech's going to make them. All they know is that they're going to freaking need one or yeah. 10 or 40. Right. Saul is going to, his company. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait to watch Saul this year. We, uh, I can't yeah, we, wait. We, we calculated 147 start technicians for this summer. Crazy, 147. Right? So we've got uh, to make sure yeah, that his, you know, and so therefore Saul has to have just a supercharged recruiting effort. But I'll go back. Another asset test that I love to use. How many employee referrals mm, yeah. are you getting? Because that's the acid test of you know all your efforts. You know, so great love them, like them, hate them. I use Chick Fil A. Okay, so you may you know you may agree with their values. You may not like what they put. All that aside, have either one of you been to a Chick Fil A in the last two weeks? Because I have, of course. Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> More than once. And so let me <laughs> ask you: Do they have the labor shortage that everybody has, or is that line moving? Now they have a you know help wanted sign. It's not like going to a restaurant where there's yeah. empty tables because they don't have servers or yeah. we don't, we're a pest control company and we can't get our work done because we can't find technicians. Chick-fil-A doesn't yeah. have this problem. So how does that happen? I mean, Chick-fil-A is the only place that I'll pull up to in the drive through line will be like at, into the road. It likes in some parts in Charlotte, it like goes into the road and like stops traffic, but I'll still go in that line because I know I'm going to be in and out of there really fast. Yeah. So how does that happen? So let's think about this for a second. And, you know, this is really translatable stuff to the pest control industry. They give these kids, well, it's not just kids, it's adults. Like, 
you know, there's people that are 40, 50 years old working in those lines, but they give them great technology. They give them a great work environment. You know, they have heat lamps and air conditioning and misting things, whatever it is to make them comfortable out there, they do it. And they, Mm. you know, so they give them all the right stuff. But Mm. then it's very clear the values that a Chick-fil-A person has to have. And if you think their values don't match up to your value set, it's okay. doesn't make you a bad person. You're just going to be part of the Chick-fil-A cult. That's all. And if they make a mistake in hiring, you know, who's going to drive that person out? It's going to be all the other. Well, the person will drive themselves out because they're going to look at all the people they're working around and think they're absolutely nuts. Like if you're Eeyore, you can't be working at Chick-fil-A. It ain't going to happen because they're going to look at all these happy, bubbly people. You got happy, bubbly people. Is it any different at Disney? Same thing. Disney gets it. So, yeah, we need to do this in our organizations. But to do that, you have to know who you are. Yep. And I was just having some conversations with our president of operations the other day, and we were talking a lot about referrals and also, you know, recruitment, right? But it's like, you know, let's talk about employee feedback surveys, like screw that, get that off the table, right? If you're getting employee referrals, do you really need to do an employee feedback survey? Or are your employees happy if they're bringing their friends and family to come work for you? Yeah, To me, that's the acid test. You know, might I keep scores? Might I look at things? Do I want to see what's going on? Perhaps. But bottom line, if I'm not getting employee referrals, I'm kidding myself. Then Some, if you have high scores broken. and you get referrals, it ain't, they're, they're not being truthful. Yep. Something's broken if you're not getting employee yeah. referrals. People bring people, you know, if you love the company you're in and you think, and you're having a blast and you think it's a great place to work, you're bringing your friends and you're not bringing in the pest control industry. You're not going to other pest control companies and poaching other, you know, that's not where you, you know, maybe, you know, it might do, you might get some, but that's not where they come from. They come from landscaping companies and HVAC companies and, you know, any other service industry that's out there. That's where you should be getting your people. And your technicians know those people. That's who their friend network is. That's who they hang out with. That's who they bowl with or shoot darts with or shoot pool (laughs) with or just go drinking at the bar with. I mean, that's who you want. Yeah, 100%. Well, we're running short on time here, Phil. I mean, EOS, it's so comprehensive. Like, how do you even get into the discussion, right? But it's so simple. It's so simple, too. Right. And, you know, and, and I'll just, you know, I'll end as we wind down, you know, the other thing is, you know, once you have these great people in the service industry, you know, it's the other thing that we're seeing is, you know, from and Saul and I talk about this all the time, service managers. And that's where we, that's the next great passion of mine is making sure that service managers actually know how to make their technicians great. And, you know, Saul is seeing it, you know, firsthand. We look at six fundamentals that service managers need to have and we put together some really freaking amazing courses and we're doing a beta test, which we can tell you more about sometime in a future podcast. But you know, going out and accelerating the gross profit in pest control companies through their service managers and increasing productivity, increasing employee referrals, increasing client reputation scores, and just making it happen. So Really, really cool what we're doing with our courses and, you know, they're filling up for this upcoming quarter and neat for the industry and dot, 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 a heck of a lot more to come. Love it. Yeah, there's so much as business owners, there's so much to do, which is something that I love about it. The sky's the limit. You know, people have done amazing things with their companies, even their pest control companies like you, 
what you did with your family company and what you've done in your career since. And, you know, I love this industry, man, just being fresh off of Pest World and those connections. And I'm noticing that it's getting a lot more attention. Each year, there's a few more software providers or there's a few more tech companies at Pest World. There's more money. There's more private equity. You know, valuations are going through the roof right now. And there's guys like you out there. I love that, man. That's so cool. 10, 20 years ago, I don't know that there's a guy like you out there, right? Yep. And I would love to talk to your listeners out there. I mean, if they're looking for an implementer, I can, you know, you know, in the EOS community, it's what we call abundance. You know, I don't compete with my other implementers. We all work together. So if you're in another part of the country and, you know, where I'm not the right fit, I certainly love to talk to people that are looking to go into EOS and help them find the right implementer because that's so critical. And if anybody has ideas and your questions about these courses that we're giving, you know, just, you know, I love talking to people. So I'd love to talk to your gang. Yeah. Where's the best place for them to reach out to you, Phil? So I'll give them my blast my phone number because I don't care. They can text or call 609-947-4503. Or they can send me an email and I'll use them. They you know I can talk about EOS or the courses with Phil.cooper at EOSworldwide.com. So real easy awesome. and love yeah. to talk I'm, to them. I mean, honestly, I feel like we just barely even <laughs> scratched the surface of what Phil's mind has within it. I definitely yeah. think we're going to have to get him on here for like an episode two where we kind of dive more. Or into one some a quarter. Of these, uh, Do like yeah. one a yeah. quarter or like a regular like yeah. Phil yeah. episode. And I guess, you know, also I guess LinkedIn because, you know, uh, lots of thought leadership that I have on yeah. my LinkedIn profile. So, you know, link up to me and, you know, I'd be you know more than happy to connect that way and just follow and you'll get more words of, I won't call it wisdom for sure. But you'll definitely hear what, what I think. Awesome. The big thing is too, it's like if you're not at the EOS stage, right? Like I'm saying, some of Phil's courses through the Evolve YT, like if you're a sole pest control operator, owner, or you're just starting to kind of add a few people, right? It's like as companies grow in the beginning stage, right? It's usually they got one or two technicians and then they take that one or two technician and maybe give them some management ability. But this guy's all he's ever done is service, right? So he doesn't know how to drive some of those levers as far as employee engagement, profitability, you know, and use those tools to really get the business moving his programs i mean dude i've sat in on a few of them and and some of the concepts and and ideas that phil has like you know one is like the 20 60 20 thing I'm, that's all i'm gonna say it's <laughs> freaking amazing little teaser yeah little teaser go check phil out if you really want or hit his number up yeah we'll put that him. in the I, show notes because yep. a lot of our listeners are driving right now they're driving <laughs> their service trucks oh yeah right they're driving home moment. from work yep. so we'll put that information in the show notes so don't swerve off the road trying to get that number <laughs> down <laughs> yeah but dude i mean reach out i mean it's it, there's some amazing stuff so love it well thanks guys hey man it's been our pleasure our pleasure, Phil. I'd love to have like a recurring Phil episode. I think that'd be great. Oh, we yeah. might even d- dissect it by one of the six facets, right? Where one episode, we just hit one facet and kind of get dive a little deeper into that as opposed to this kind of brushing with the, this just wide stroke, which I think is helpful. It's, this episode's great because it gives us introduction. I think we need to dive into the data one. I think some of when we start, when you hear some of the data, like the the weekly scorecard measurables, the activity base, I think, and we're talking about this and and I think a lot of us, and we are in the pest control industry for 10, 15 years, and we still can't very wrap our head around this activity based measurements. Right. 
fill, yeah, yeah, fill no, blow, that would be, blow our minds on that. That would okay, so we've got the six awesome. fundamentals of EOS. We've got the six fundamentals of uh, Evolve YT. There's way too much to talk about. Yeah. All good. Let's do it. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's been a pleasure, Phil. Thanks for joining us. Saul, a pleasure as always, man. Always, man. I'd love to be here. I love this business. I love helping people. I freaking love Pest World. I worked so hard, dude. I was exhausted, man. Dude, same. And, uh, and it was, we're, and it was just getting started. And it was so awesome for everyone who came up to us and, and said good things about the Bug Bucks podcast. Yeah. Like I said, you know, like we've said before, if you're listening and you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a five-star review, please go leave us a review. We need your love. Don't yeah. forget about us. I'm sure you want them to share it too, don't you? Yeah, share. Yeah, share <laughs> any type of social media, like tag us. That helps a lot. It's going to improve the show. It's going to, you know, and our goal is to help you become bug money millionaires, right? So yep. the more you help us, that's kind of how we look at it. So absolutely. All right, guys, appreciate the conversation and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.